Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Welcome to another GeoMob Podcast. This afternoon, it's my pleasure to be talking to Akansha Saklani from the World Resources Institute. Akansha is a GIS analyst within the energy program of the WRI and she leads the creation of energy access maps that show electrification data in India and elsewhere in the southern hemisphere and overlays that with socio-economic conditions of the states and with the aim to improve service delivery outcomes and particularly focused on some of the UN's sustainable development goals. Before joining WRI, she was working in 3D mapping of slums, which involved rebuilding slum areas with sustainable energy systems. I'm going to have a lot of trouble saying sustainable so many times today, but never mind. Um, And because she's a geek... And I say that very affectionately. In her free time, she likes to create stories using data and visualization. Well, you know, what else would a person on the GeoMob podcast do in their spare time? So, Akansha, welcome to the GeoMob podcast. Before we start, um, until we made contact a few weeks ago, I'd never heard of the World Resources Institute. So, perhaps be- first thing up, could you just tell us a little bit about the WRI? Thanks, Stephen, for having me here. Uh, So, WRI is a global non-for-profit organization. We work with leaders in different governments, business and civil society to research, design and have practical uh, solutions that can, you know, improve people's life and ensure that the nature can strive. So, uh, we are focused on uh, different themes like food, forest, climate, water, energy. Uh, so the idea behind WRI in itself is count it, change it and scale it. So how do we use data and platforms to count, you know, what is the problem and how can you find a solution? You change it and then you use again this platform to scale the solutions for a bigger geography. So we work across this and uh, with, so I am a part of energy team within uh, WRI and our focus is on SDG 7, which talks about, uh, you know, having uh, sustainable energy for all in, across all the geographies. This becomes eminently uh, important because la- one week back, there was a report which came from SMAP and WHO and World Bank. And it said that for SDG 2030, we are like, there are only seven years left and 50% of the households are still yet to be electrified. This is a huge number. If you'll put this number in, uh, you know, instead of saying 50%, if I'll say 750 million people do not have access to electricity, it's a huge number. And then there's a topic of reliable electricity, which is, again, more than 3 million. 3 billion. 3 billion, 3 billion people do not have access to reliable electricity. So what do they do? So either they rely on uh, backups like diesel generator, they have solar powered uh, with battery backup, or they try to you know work without uh, electricity. So 
this is a very uh, good segue for another work we recently did so we did a primary survey where we actually went and collected the data for health facilities in two districts in our indian state and one of the questions we asked them was what do you do if your hospital do not have access to electricity they the answer was that we are uh, referring the patients to another facility and that referral time is you know is very important becomes very critical to save a few lives Oh, so this is a colossal problem, you know, and I, I think, yeah, I'm sitting here and I know we've had this conversation before, but just the impact of this, you know, on people's lives, the things that we just take for granted. I mean, mobile phones, do they, how do you have a mobile phone without electricity? I think mobile phone is something which we still can, you know, work without having electricity but i think covid was a time which actually made people realize that electricity is so important when they had to store vaccines they had to give oxygen supply so uh, there was this report and this is for uh, hospitals if you will see education sector in 2014 undesa came up with a report which said in elect if the schools have electricity the dropout rate reduces basically dropout rate is how much of the people are actually continuing their education then there was a cross sectional study in uh, developing nations which said that if electricity is not there wash indicators are not there wash indicators are basically your water hygiene sanitation indicators and girls of a menstruating age they actually have to drop out because there is no water and they cannot use the public restrooms so this is a huge cycle which actually brings in the whole uh, paradigm and electricity has been a two way paradigm access to electricity gives more chances of literacy especially in the gender equality it allows people to you know reduce the workload and it also gives if people have access to electricity they are developing and developing nation also increases the demand for electricity so it goes for the both ways and electricity is really important which we sometimes take it for granted Okay so I think we've got the picture of how important electricity is and also what a massive problem it is if 3 billion people um and that's mainly in the southern hemisphere I right? Yes so 3 billion people not having access to reliable electricity but no access is 750 million Right okay so that leads us nicely to energy access explorer um so start out by explaining how it works and what it's trying to achieve so uh, we started energy access explorer 5 years back and it has been a long journey since then uh, so just let's rewind and when we said that you know 750 million people do not have access to electricity but uh, they have uh, so what happens traditionally in the energy sector the energy supply uh, energy sector has been supply driven so where uh, people generally put the supply but uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to take a step back and understand the aspects of demand and affordability of electricity it's really important to understand that if people are able to buy or procure the electricity at the charges which is given and if we do not do that so all the supply options will not be viable for the consumers for the distribution companies or the power generating companies so that is where we started with the energy access explorer we uh, did a lot of research we understood what all other platforms which are already available on the market and we realized that this is the first platform which 
actually puts energy supply and demand at the same uh, scale so that people can think of integrated energy planning you, they can talk about how do you ensure that uh, affordable electricity is being provided to people uh, so uh, suppose a uh, if i'm a distribution company or i'm a mini grid entrepreneur who want to uh, put in my uh, mini grid in africa to want to you know give electricity and get uh, money out of it to do that uh, the person can use a platform to identify the areas where there is high demand using uh, data like population density the using you know if there are mines or industries nearby then they can see if because they're talking about a mini grid which is a uh, you know a distributed renewable system using solar energy they can see how much of the amount of sunlight is coming on the ground they can also filter out the areas if you know a distribution network is going through it or not then they can identify the areas of interest prioritization they can also identify what is the purchasing power of you know of the people in that area because as an entrepreneur they would have want to have a positive or negative impact and the government can also do this there they can you know look at the people who actually need assistance where people cannot afford to pay for the services so this is the way people can use the platform to understand where you know how the things are happening what is where it is working so uh, eae uh, brings in uh, data geospatial data as raster data we have point data we have polygon data we also bring in the inputs of different different uh, you know tools or different models which are there so since we are talking about electrification there's a model called onset which talks about the cost of electrification which is like uh, you can understand where you are putting electricity and which is the best possible way to put electricity so that the cost optimization is also there so we bring in the outputs of those models as well so that it's a more of a data driven approach which is taken to get the results so and in all we are presently active in 15 geographies which includes six countries and some sub geographies and uh, we are going to expand it to another 12 geographies in the near future so in all these geographies it's not that the every geography is following the same pattern because we believe that it has to be an approach of top down and bottom up so we do regular interaction with our stakeholders we identify how what is the need of that geography in some geographies we also give priority to the vulnerability aspect because if you are living in a place which is prone to flood your solutions have to acknowledge the climate resilience bit of it it has to you know have a pan ground water surface or so whenever the policy makers or the stakeholders are taking decisions they are able to take a informed decision and take a holistic approach for the integrated energy planning So this is classic GIS isn't it? I mean it's bringing together all sorts of data about the consumption needs and the the physical environment the opportunities for renewable energy generation um and enabling both sides both the producers the distributors and the consumers to optimize a solution to reduce the 750 million people without electricity yes which is wonderful so i can i and we've got a link in the show notes which people can click on and then they can actually see energy access explorer they can play with it they can understand what it does in much more detail but the first question that's going to everyone's going to be asking is where does the data come from so uh 
in the energy access explorer with every data set we have actually given the metadata which talks about the data why are we using the data from where the data comes from what is the source and what is the year of the data but uh, this is uh, so this is for all the data set but when we start looking for the data when we start scoping a geography we interact with different partners and stakeholders so we do a secondary research to identify the data which is available on in the market so like we have population density data we have data from uh, make formerly facebook but metas data for board which talks about relative wealth index we have data from open street maps we have data from uh, wind atlas we have data from solar atlas so this is your uh, geographical uh, or satellite data which comes but we also have a very specific sector level data so that that data we get from partnerships we build partnership in the countries with the stakeholders in the geographies where we active in so uh, that data set is something uh, we have the trust of the partner and we showcase to them that why it is important for you to put the data and the different results you can come so for example in india we have the granular level data at each and every hospital from the national health mission which is the uh, health uh, vertical of the government of india and this data is not available anywhere in the public domain so we have had the conversations and we have explained to them how it can be you know helpful for your particular geographies so the same way in zambia we are working with different agencies in uganda we are working with ministry of uganda to actually put in the data the health ministry of uganda so the partnership and collaboration becomes really important in achieving the data at present we have more than 220 uh, partnership on data and advisory for eae wow so there's a lot of a lot of this is about culture and negotiation not technology it's i would say that uh, since the geographies where we are working in uh, even when we scope the geographies we look at the geographies which are energy poor where there is a need for uh, you know sustainable solution which can actually bring in the improvement in the lives of the people and we can work as a you know knowledge partner with the agencies so it's about uh, you know understanding the need ensuring that the platform or the work which we do helps them achieving their goal and we become part of it right and i guess this is this may be a dumb question but i'll ask it anyway um are you only working with renewable energy sources no we are technologically agnostic uh, people the idea is to have so the first idea is to have uh, access to everybody so suppose we are looking in solarizing schools and uh, we see that around 500 meters there is a electricity grid which is going there is sorry i should not have been saying solarizing i should have been saying suppose we are uh, looking to electrify the schools in uh, uganda and when we overlay the location of schools we overlay the electricity distribution network and if a grid is going at a 500 meter difference it's very easy to just get a electric connection and have electricity than you know putting in a new solar system or a hybrid wind system so it's about optimizing and getting the best result out right okay so if if there if there is electricity generation already in the country and you can better optimize the usage of that electricity um to get it to schools or to hospitals um then you're not 
you're not making a judgment about whether it's solar power or hydrocarbon power, basically. Yes. So the idea is to have electricity. Ideally, in a you know sustainable, renewable world, it is good to have a decarbonized electricity system. But the priority is to give electricity first. Okay. Okay. And the Energy Access Explorer application, the web application. Um, I mean. For the people who haven't looked at it, um, it's a classic web GIS and you can add layers of information and you can query it and you can visualize. And the things that we're all, all, all of us who work in this space are used to. Um, is it all open source or is it closed source or a mixture? So, uh, Energy Access Explorer, the platform, the tool and the code is open source. And one of the features, apart from visualizations, which we have given is a on-the-fly multi-criteria analysis. So the users can use the multi-criteria analysis, change the filters, change the priority, and get the result at one square kilometer, which was the most granular uh, on-the-fly when we started the platform. For a few geographies, we are able, even able to take it at 100 meter resolution. So... Yes, the tool is open source. The methodology, how we have calculated the weights and multi-criteria is also published in a technical note. And uh, it's also available in GitHub. We had actually partnered with UN's Clean Cooking Alliance to create a clean cooking explorer for uh, Nepal. And uh, so that actually used the infrastructure of Energy Access Explorer to save on the uh, software engineering costs in this resource uh, you know, constrained world. Now we are, uh, so this was done two years back, but now uh, Clean Cooking Explorer is also coming in EAE only because it's easier to maintain with one set of people than two, uh, which we are hopefully going to launch in September in Nepal. So the tools, uh, whole methodology and code, everything is open source. Right. In terms of data, some of the data set is open source, some of the data set is not. In case if there's a data set which is not open source and somebody wants to use it, uh, we request the users to, you know, write to us so that we can make the connect with the relevant departments and then they can take it from there. Oh, I see. Okay, so the Indian hospital data, for example, you might not be able to download that, but you could approach the Indian hospital, Indian health ministry to yes. get the data. Okay. We help to make a connect so that, but they can visualize the data and then they can do the analysis on the data. And is this, I know the data sets won't be exactly the same, but if we look at India or Nigeria or Uganda, um, is the data broadly the same type of data? I mean, are there hospitals and schools in every one of the examples? Yes. So uh, we, as a basic uh, nature, we follow the energy supply and demand. So in terms of energy supply and energy demand, uh, we have similar data vestiges for the countries where we start with. So uh, the supply options will be similar and the demand options will be similar. But as we go more granular into the geographies and as we start interacting with the users, the demand changes. Uh, so the data vestiges changes according to the different users we are working with. And uh, so there's a one very big difference when it comes to India versus Sub-Saharan Africa, which is in India, our focus is on social and institutional loads, which are your health centers, education centers, your livelihood centers, not on the uh, population or households because uh, the government of India has already uh, electrified all the willing households. 
so the focus is where there is a need for electrification like one state of india still has 52% of its health sub centers are not electrified rather than focusing on you know where everything is uh, electrified but in sub saharan africa we are looking at households as well as the loads okay right so i see so this is a question that comes up almost whenever people are doing work in this kind of area who's paying for all of this you know this doesn't this sounds like it's quite a major undertaking and there must be quite a few staff working on it and who's who's funding this so i think uh, i would say that uh, we are very lucky to be in an organization where you know donors have complete support on our work so we get uh, uh, grants from many philanthropies who actually support this initiative directly and then uh, indirectly through a larger initiative which we have within wri which is energy for equitable De- development so uh, users of any of these application do not pay anything all the money comes from our gla- grant and philanthropies and because they are not paying anything and this is the reason i think today uh, we have exceeded more than 14000 returning users for the platform 14000 yes wow that's a lot of people using it is that what daily monthly no so uh, since the platform is very specific to a particular audience we do not expect it to be a daily or monthly but you know uh, till now if we collected so for the last year when we did the google analytics we had 14000 of the returning users okay so let's let's talk about some outcomes you know um give me some uh, let's talk about some success stories um should we talk about india first must be a country close to your heart akansha I guess India is very close to my heart also because in India I am personally leading the work for India in Indian geographies and I have uh, members in different geographies so in India uh, we have actually successfully used a tool for two different uh, states one state uh, is assam which is in northeast and the state is very prone to flood climatic vulnerability and it is one of the most uh, vulnerable uh, uh you know areas in the so uh, in terms of geography brahmaputra floods it every year so you can imagine the flooding situation so the uh, chief minister of the state is launching a new scheme called climate resilient villages then they wanted to identify which uh, they want to make the villages very climate resilient and have you know all round holistic development of the villages to start the scheme and you know to the pilot they wanted to understand which villages we should take up first and therein we used eae while keeping access to electricity and the number of households we have who have cooking cooking at the center and uh, assam has more than 25000 villages and from those 25000 villages we were able to identify the 100 villages which should be taken up and so this is the scheme which is running at the moment then uh, we also work with different renewable agency de- uh, you know renewable development agencies one of them is in jharkhand which wanted to uh, electrify uh, health facilities by doing solarization so uh, jharkhand has more than 3000 health facilities and uh, uh, you know using the criteria and uh, different analysis we were able to give them the list of the facilities which then they uh, solarize so uh, 
300 uh, facilities out of 3000 were used from the analysis to be solarized wow and in kenya you're working in kenya aren't you as well yes so in kenya we have been working with the uh, county so in kenya we have different counties so we work with the government of kitui to develop their county energy plan which you know feeds into their national energy plan and uh, so they were very happy with the whole analysis we did the hand holding we taught them how to do it by yourself going forward and then we actually got in the uh, request from different country counties to do it and now we are planning to support it with uh, another narrow county in kenya right so quite a lot of this is bottom up rather than top down you're working with municipalities small regions i mean all right assam's a big a state you know it's a large area but you're still working from the ground up rather than somebody in the capital city in the ministry of energy or something uh actually no so if i can give an example of uganda uh we are working with the ministry of uganda health ministry of uganda to be very specific which is sitting at the central level and therein with them we actually developed a methodology to identify what is the energy requirement for each and every hospital in the country and so using this methodology they are able to estimate you know uh, what is the energy requirement what is the budgetary they need to uh, give electricity to all the health facilities you for you doing this we actually did a bottom up and uh, sorry yeah bottom up and top down approach using geospatial data and some of the primary survey to understand the appliances um and the last one on my list is one that surprised me that it was on the list because it's nigeria which is a massively energy rich country so one would have thought that with all that energy coming out the ground i i know we shouldn't be using the oil in the future but uh you would thought they would have had electricity i think uh Uh, Nigeria has more than 90 million people who do not have access to electricity right now. So, even though it is energy rich, uh, you know it's really difficult. So here the thing of uh, the supply is there, but you know if the supply is actually going to the demand comes up, and then the affordability also comes up. So it's really important. Uh, it's it's I mean. i am just putting it out from energy access and you know from our sub saharan african indian bringing it in the europe when the war happened it was really difficult for us also to afford electricity and this was a immediate impact of war but in european nations it's like it's very important that they are able to afford electricity they have the supply so in nigeria we actually are working with rural electrification agency which is tasked to you know and give electricity to them so uh, they are actually using uh, ea in a few different manners one is that they are using the back end of the platform as a data repository for their own work they are also using ea to support uh, the 5 billion africa mini grids program which supports which the aim is to support access to clean energy by you know increasing financial viability and promoting uh, scaled up commercial investments apart from that we are also working to support their energizing the agriculture program which is which comes under productive uses of energy okay so You've been doing this for what? 5 years? Yes. Right. 
Um, what have the cha- what have been what what's gone wrong? What have the challenges been? What have you learned? I think uh, challenges have been also you know different for different geographies, and one of the like biggest challenge which we have faced is on data. Sometimes data is not there. Sometimes data is there, but there are so much of missing data. There are data gaps. Data validation is a problem. That's how we started doing the cha- uh, you know whole thing. And there has also another challenge which we have seen in different geographies is the boundaries are very different. So the administrative boundary for uh, revenue department will be different from administrative boundary for health department and the administrative boundary for education department. Right. Yeah. If you want to use a platform to bring in all the stakeholders together to take a you know integrated or cohesive decision, you need to ensure that you aggregate you know you do zonal statistics or you aggregate the data in such a way that you can use a common boundary so the data can be comparable. Yeah, and that's that's been a perennial problem. It's not only in the the global south. It's a problem in Europe. It's a problem everywhere where you have all these different levels of administrative boundaries. And uh, I, I've I've worked long enough on that in the past to know how difficult that can be. Um, so, what do you? What's the future hold for Energy Access Explorer? What are the the plans for the future so right now the idea for the platform is that we are able to you know help or support in the achieving the sdg7 target which talks about uh, you know 100% sustainable energy for all we are going to expand in eight countries in sub saharan africa in coming years we are expanding in three geographies within india and we are also uh, so we are building partnership we are talking about sustainability so that you know the platform is still live and we have partners who want to engage in it or work more we have capacity building exercises and activities in last year we trained more than 100 so 1000 people in person and we had some online trainings this year uh, energy access explorer is one of the platforms which uh, so in italy we are having a summer school on energy modeling forum and energy access explorer is also one of the platform which is being taught uh, and we very recently we uh, we had a discussion in asf which is asia clean uh, energy forum therein we talked about the importance of energy and energy access explorer and very interestingly uh, when we were talking in asf people were saying this also helps you identify the places which are energy guzzlers and then can be you know decarbonized with the most uh, nearest renewable energy solutions so i think this is a long road ahead and we are uh, you know we want to reach the goal wow and it's such exciting work that you're doing um so if people want to get in touch with you either to talk about helping or getting access to energy access explorer or offering data to you how can they reach you so uh when in the platform we have the option of get in touch or you know add on or have your own user stories so we have asked users uh, to you know contribute in terms of data in terms of advice even in terms of you know talking about your story how did you use a platform and were you able to you know get some insights from it and our email ids are also there in the website for the on the wrx website okay okay so 
I hope that some of my friends out there in the open data world are listening to this and think, well, maybe we could help uh, with this problem because it's certainly when you hear, you know, the thought of 750 million people with no access to electricity and 3 billion with um, unreliable or limited access to electricity is a challenge that we could all get behind, um, every one of us. Yes, I will also add that there is 2.3 million people without clean cooking and that leads to indoor air pollution, many uh, female deaths and this is also something which we are expanding in Kenya to start. Okay. Um, Akancha, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Um, I'm in awe of the work that you and your colleagues are doing. Um, It's sort of, we all think, we've all known, all of us who are geographers know the power of geography to help solve problems, but you and your colleagues are actually out there doing it and switching the lights on in people's homes, letting people study at night, letting people cook, um, making sure that hospitals work, which is fantastic work. So my thanks to you and all your colleagues, and thank you for coming on the Geomob podcast and talking to us about it. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to talk about electricity and electricity access, energy access. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can, of course, also follow us on Twitter where our handle is GeoMob. Thanks for listening and hope to see you at a GeoMob event soon. Mm-hmm.